0: Welcome, you're listening to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Here we go. Welcome back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Yes. Pastor Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Pastor Tyler. How about yourself, man? I'm doing well. Good. It is a little later in the day than we usually get in here, but thanks be to God that we're here. Amen. Thanks
1: be Thanks be to God for smart marketing Amen. for offering up this podcast space for us. And the weather, I might add, has been exceptionally beautiful yeah, in absolutely. our part of the country.
0: I rolled up yesterday into the office and you were out at the uh, pavilion. Yeah, I was. Books open and so the wind nice. was breezing, nice and sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, We are back into the book of Colossians. We we took a little bit of a break for Good Friday and Easter, as you do in the church calendar, to recognize and remember the price that was paid for our sins and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's still alive today. Amen. 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 Still alive today. We jumped back into Colossians chapter 3, and we were in verses 12 through 17. Pastor Jason, you spent a little bit of time uh, recapping for us this past week yep, uh, and sort of covering um, sort of the three main buckets that uh, Paul offers the church in Colossae and and what this book, uh, what this letter actually unpacks for us. But um, before we get into the recap, I'm just going to read the text uh, yep. from, from this past Sunday. So if you're joining with us, grab your Bible, open up to Colossians chapter three, and I will be beginning in verse 12. And I'm going to start now, but if you're not there, you can press pause because that's the beauty of technology. Yes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his word. Why don't we just run through a little bit of uh, just a short like maybe 5 5 minute or yeah. so um of of the of the unpacking and uh, recapping that we did of uh, the book of Colossians. We had three things that we kind of went through. Colossians is a clear view of Jesus Christ will change your life. Yep. It's kind of the big idea. Yep. And the, the goal of the series is for people to meet Jesus and mature in them. Yep. So let's can you talk about those three major themes in the book of Colossians, where they're broken up in terms of chapters and why they're important to us? Yeah.
1: An old theologian and scholar by the name of Philip Brooks said, nowhere in any of Paul's writings has there been such a clear presentation of Jesus Christ than in the book of Colossians, Hmm. hence sort of the big idea. I just ripped that guy off for the big idea of a clear view of Jesus will change your life. And so that's what we love about this letter is that from a 30,000 foot view, and then now in chapters three and four, it's really boots on the ground of who Jesus is, what he's done, and how this affects your life. But we said the three sort of major threads in it, the first one was to reclaim the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And as Paul says in Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Mm, that's and a big word. What's that mean? Preeminent, yeah. So it means first, foremost. Yeah. Nothing is um, even in comparison to it. Everything else is built around this one thing. Yeah. And we said where this challenges us is, um, the question is not, is Jesus important? I think, I, I, I mean... Honestly, historically, I even think an unbeliever would have to say Jesus is important when you right. look at the history of things. Yeah. The question is, is he first? Mm. And that is a game changer. That's yeah. a challenging question to move from, is he important to, is he first? And so that's what Paul's doing to reclaim the supremacy of Jesus. Yeah. The second thing is is to rest in the sufficiency mm. of Jesus. And sufficient means enough. Yeah. You have what you need. And that's why Paul is writing this letter to these Christians in Colossae. Um, he says in Colossians 1, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Mm. And one of the axioms in our vision series was is that God is like Jesus. Yeah. And so all of God is in all of Jesus. Mm. So if we want to know what God is like, who God is, how he interacts with the world. Yeah, we don't have to guess. No, we look yeah. at Jesus in the gospels. And so it's sufficient in that realm in our thinking, theology and understanding, yeah. but also in our um, salvation and our everyday life, that Jesus is enough. The the greatest lie is that God is holding out on you. Hmm. Um, that's what our first parents, Adam and Eve, encountered in the garden. Yeah. And is God's word enough? Has God provided? And the answer to that is yes. And so it's to rest in the sufficiency that Jesus is enough. Jesus yeah. plus nothing is equals everything. Yeah. If we fill in that nothing with something, we inevitably lose Jesus in that. Yeah. And then the last thing is is to remember the simplicity of the gospel. What I love about the theology of the Apostle Paul is that he never gets tired of the gospel yeah. because the gospel is the power of God. Yeah. And so it's always this is the good news constantly preaching the gospel this is what the good news is and then this is how it affects your life and so the simplicity of the gospel is the life death and resurrection of jesus christ it is that god is remaking all things new through the person of jesus christ that he's reconciling his rebellious creation back to himself. Yeah. And and we said that the gospel is not something that we respond to one time in a church when they played just as I am 17 times and we quote unquote get saved and then move on to Bible studies right. or something like that. The same gospel that saves us is the same gospel that sustains us. Yeah. And as many preachers say is we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Yeah. And so it's to remind ourselves of the simplicity of it, that yeah. that You know, I've heard it said this way that the gospel is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. And I think that's a great sentence. It's simple to understand from a story perspective. But it's not easy. Yeah, The surrendering, the repentance, the faith, and the trust, and the belief, yeah. that takes a lifetime to understand. Yeah, man. So, so those are sort of the three buckets that we've looked at yeah. that have carried us through this letter.
0: I love that. One of the things that you mentioned on Sunday, uh, you quoted John 3.16, and you were like, the, the sim, in regards to the simplicity yeah. of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. We we sort of view that as a bumper sticker verse or a coffee mug verse. Right. And it's something that we learn elementary and then we move on from and we never revisit. And the simplicity is is that. It's it's found in yes. the love of God through Jesus Christ and that anyone who would believe in him yes. call on him in faith yes and that is that is in whom we find our salvation and good news and our sustaining through the rest of our Amen. lives and i love the way that you outlined the book so like chapter 1 it's the gospel pro- proclaimed right the supremacy of jesus we see we sort of see his credentials and who he is and why he's enough yep. and then we see the gro- the the i'm sorry the gospel protected sort of protecting from uh later on in in chapters 1 and 2 we see paul sort of uh, bringing an awareness to uh, maybe some false teachers that yep. are taking place in the church that have crept in, and so protecting the the integrity of the gospel and what the good news actually is. And now we're getting into chapters three and four, which is the gospel practiced, yep. the gospel actually lived out. And can we talk about can we talk about chapter three verse one? Why it's important to start there? He says he says in chapter three verse one, if then you have been raised with Christ. Dot dot dot. Right. That like like yep. it's it's not just the following words in that verse, but it's everything that comes after it. Why is that important? If then you have been raised with Christ,
1: yeah, that's his thesis statement for the entirety of the rest of the letter. Chapter mm. three is definitely a hinge on which the letter now um, swings on, and so it goes from this doctrine that he's been proclaiming and preaching to now this duty that can be practiced, mm. and the reason why since you've been raised with Christ is so important is because that's our identity. That's who he's writing to. He's writing to those who have repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, your identity now is that you are with Christ, that you've been raised. And so now, like this coming week, we're going to learn what's the effect of that on the home, for the roles of a husband and a wife and parents and children and even my job and all of these things. And what he's been doing in 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 these verses leading up to sort of verse 12, verses 1 through 12, is this put off and put on language yeah. and even put to death. So the idea is if this is true, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true and you've placed your faith and trust in him, then that affects the way you live your life. Yeah. And so there's some things we need to put to death And we have now the power to do that. Yeah. I've heard it said that grace isn't just pardon from sin, it's power not to sin. Yeah. Which is good news. Yeah, man. You know, oftentimes we preach this gospel that's a gospel of forgiveness. And that's true. Yeah. But that's a part of the gospel. Yeah. It's it's one facet of the gospel. Yeah. Um, now he gets into this idea of you can this temptation and this lifestyle, you can put that to death. And the way you put it to death is by putting on this new identity. That's good. And it, and it's a it's a decisive choice. Yeah. You know the language that he uses right. is put it off, put it to death and then put this on. Yeah.
0: Well, what's interesting to me is that it requires action. Like yep. one of the things that you had mentioned at, at Easter, when we did Easter at the Rogers in your sermon, you said the re- the resurrection of Jesus requires a response from us. Yes. Colossians doesn't just have chapters one and two. Yep. It's not just proclaiming and protecting the idea of the gospel and how we think about it. Chapter three and four, chapters three and four are like... Ha- how are we actually going to respond to this? Yes. Now that we believe this, a response is required of us. But also chapter three doesn't come before chapter one and two. Yeah. Like, the order of that matters, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. and
1: I think that's something that we experience a lot of time, you know, as pastors and and people who come in with a crisis because a crisis is a catalyst for change. All change happens with a crisis. Yeah. And so it's, you know, my marriage or my parenting or... This addiction or this temptation, and so there's a crisis, and the answer is, how do I blank? Yeah. You know, a how-to, if yeah. you will, and the reality is, is that the Bible it does have how-tos in it, yeah. But that's secondary, mm-hmm. um, and so the, really, sort of the big idea was who we are affects how we live. Yeah, the who comes before the how. Yeah, and so the reason why that's so important in the outline of the letter and that's sort of Paul's remaining outline, that's how he writes his letters through the rest of the New Testament, Yeah, is you've got to know your identity and who you are. Because if you try to go into these things, this meekness, this humility, this putting to death and putting off, and you try to do that in your own strength, that's going to lead to this life of sort of sin, confess, repeat, sin, confess, repeat, sin, confess, repeat. And it's this cycle that people feel trapped in. And it's this understanding first of going, okay, we understand this crisis and there's some things that we do need to get outlined. There are some things that we can do. But before we do that, we need power. Yeah, and that power comes outside of us. That's good, not inside. That's
0: good. I have a friend that I'm working through some stuff with, um, and and we sort of talk to one another and and are just honest with one another. And one of the things that he's uh, been recently telling me is that he wants he wants this deeper desire to like love and cherish God more. And I'm like, that's great. Like, let's flesh that out. What does that look like? Yeah, and. Essentially, when it gets down to it, um, I remember saying to him a couple weeks ago, I was like, it sounds like everything that you're asking for and that you're passionate about are things that you can't do on your own. Yeah. Like, it's the stuff that the Holy Spirit works inside yep. of us. Like, like God's Word says that nobody can proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and is risen from the dead apart from the Holy Spirit yep. alive inside of them. Like, that is, that is what empowers us. It's yes. the spirit of God alive inside of us. And one of the things that I love that you use an illustration of the new TV show based on the old movie, The Mighty Ducks, yeah. Game Changers. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about this scene where, where this, uh, this befuddled mom, uh, who wants her son to be on the team, doesn't make it, makes her own team. Uh, she sort of has this, uh, award ceremony yeah. before they even play games. And Not a
1: single game has been played yeah, yet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I love that. Like, like the, the symbolism that, 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 that holds, like, they're they're not just like celebrated, but they're rewarded. Yep. And they it. haven't done anything yet. No. And so before we get into like the first point of who we are, effects of how we live and who we are in verse twelve, why is it important to remember that we that we did nothing? To earn this, like you don't earn your salvation. Your salvation right. is a gift from God, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter two. Like, Absolutely, like it's it's by grace you've been saved through faith, but yes. not of your own doing. He right. says out loud. So why is that important to remember?
1: The reason why it's important is because that's where the power is. The power is is that our identity is received and not achieved. Yeah, man. And everything else works off an achieved basis. Yeah. And I mean, technically, our salvation was achieved, but it was achieved through the person of Jesus Christ. And yeah. then it's granted to us freely through repentance and faith in yeah. him. And I love what the mom says. She's passing out these awards and her son, who's kind of the main star, uh, the, the, the show's called The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. And um, it's on Disney. It's fun. The kids, we've enjoyed it. And the kid's super embarrassed and, and she passes out an award and is like, hey, this is to you, know, to you, the most goals scored this year. And he's like, mom, I haven't scored a single goal and she says yeah but you will <laughs> and i loved yeah. that because when god comes to us god come while we were still sinners christ died for us yeah god comes to us in our worst dead broken all of this and says you're actually worse than what you even realize yeah but you're more loved than what you could ever dare imagine mm. and our whole life of christianity and christian maturity is growing in that knowledge of the love that God has for us. That's good. And and so it's not this idea of if you come to me then you'll get an award. Right. It's every you know it's what the father says to the elder brother. Yeah. He says to the elder brother yeah. everything yeah. that I've had All that I have is yours. Is yours you don't, you've never had to do these things to get what is mine. Yeah. And man, that's the love that changes people. That's
0: good. That's good. Well, you said it, the big idea is who we are affects how we live. Yeah. Um, and we see who we are um, in Christ, but we have a good picture that Paul paints for us in verse 12. He gives us three identifiers, three identity statements of who we are. In yeah. verse 12, he says, put put on then the first one as God's chosen ones. Yeah. Here we go. Ch- yes. <laughs> chosen ones. This, yeah. is, this is so... We're getting into a, a, a big word that you mentioned on Sunday, soteriology, the yep. doctrine of salvation. Mm-hmm. And you talked about if, if salvation was a filing cabinet, there's four files inside. And we want to talk about the first one, which yep. we get to in here in verse 12, chosen. That is called election, mm-hmm. the doctrine of election. What is that? Yeah. And, and why does it matter?
1: Yeah. So, so this is one of those things that just a real easy question. To yeah, in five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's a watershed issue in Christianity, and this and like. Bab, you know the sacraments are honestly why we have denominations mm. and so guys like George Whitfield and John Wesley John Wesley being Methodism George yeah. Whitfield being sort of Calvinism Pause. you know
0: sacraments for those who are listening yeah big word what's that mean
1: yeah so that's the um, the things that Jesus gave us if you grew up Baptist it's ordinances um, these things that God has ordained these sacred things are a means of grace which is the Lord's Supper and mm. baptism yep. in the church and there's maybe some other ones. But anyway, um, and so when it comes to this issue, number one, this is a big issue. We're not going to be able to answer all the questions, but it's in the Bible. yeah. So we've got to deal with this, right? I mean, Paul literally says, you are God's chosen ones. Now, back up a little bit. If God is rewriting the story of Israel through Abraham, and Paul says to these believers, you are God's chosen ones, Some of them with a Jewish background, light bulbs are going to go off, and they're going to go, wait a second, that's Abrahamic language. That is God creating the people of Israel through this one man, Abraham, with a covenant when God came to, hey, talk about election, God came to Abraham, who was a a pagan man worshiping in modern-day Iraq, and said, I'm going to make a great nation from you. Yeah. And we have no reason as to why God came to Abram. Yeah. I mean, that's wild to think about that way. Yeah. And so what this is, and the doctrine of election is, is that God chooses people to be saved. And now when I say saved, it goes back to those filing cabinets that we talked about. Yeah. yeah. Um, salvation is used in the past, present, and future tense yeah. in the Bible. but. The word salvation really has four categories underneath it. The first one being election, mm-hmm. which is the planning of this salvation. So yeah. we see these scriptures in Ephesians 1, that it was predetermined before the foundations of the yeah. earth. Foreknowledge. Yeah. In, in Revelation, we see the Lamb's book of life and those who are saved. Names were written in that Lamb's book of life before the foundation of eternity. Yeah, And that the cross was predetermined before creation. Well, what do you do with that? Right, That's in the Bible, guys. Yeah. Like we got to wrestle with that. Yeah. So there's election, which is the planning of salvation. And then there's justification, which is to be made right, just as if you've never sinned, to yeah. be justified, a legal term, to be made right. That's the payment for sin. That's the cross. That's atonement. That's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Election, justification. And then there's sanctification, Yeah. which is understanding uh, being free from the power of sin. Yeah. This is being made made more and more like Christ every day. And we said that holiness doesn't mean that it's just leaving sin behind, but it's loving Jesus more. So that's what sanctification is, is being made in the image of Christ. And then the last one is glorification, which is being saved from the very presence of sin. That's when Jesus comes back. That's new heavens and new earth, man. So the reason why I say that is, is because in our part, it's like, are you saved, brother? Are you saved? Most of the time when somebody asks that, they're asking, are you right with God? Yeah, a justification. Are you justified? Are you justified? Yeah um, which by the way was accomplished by Jesus on the cross and then it is applied to our life. And so yeah. when it comes to Paul saying we are chosen, this is the doctrine of um, election and and it's sort of a watershed thing, but the Bible does talk about it and, I just want to say something as sort of a precursor. Yeah. Number one, I think before we get into talking about this and some study helps and this, that, and the other, I would ask a couple of questions. Number one, like, have you read the Bible through yet? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think, you know, how about we get... How yeah. about we know the whole story? Yeah. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Yeah. How about we know the big story first before we zoom in on something? Yeah, Um. That's and good. And then uh, not just have you read the whole Bible through, you know, when it comes to that, but also secondly, like, are you a part of a local church? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, are you living in community? That's good. Are you under the authority of a local pastor Do you have men and women in your life that you can wrestle these issues with? The reason why I say that is because I've seen this issue, Bible school students, seminary students, keyboard warriors who haven't read the Bible all the way through, aren't a part of a local church, be these ivory tower theologians, yeah. and they have no idea what these issues actually mean on boots on the ground yeah. level when it comes yeah. to that stuff.
0: Yeah, you're not winning any souls to the Lord if you're arguing with people on Facebook about election.
1: Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it's an issue that we have to deal with. In yeah. John 15:16, John Jesus says... um you did not choose me, yeah, but I chose you. Yeah. In Deuteronomy 7, God says to Israel, It was not because you were more than any number that the Lord set his love on you and yeah. chose you. Yeah. And so what we see in this doctrine of salvation is that God sets his love and affection on people. Yeah. And their hearts and mind are opened up by the power of the Holy Spirit, to see God's love. And then, I believe, then in turn respond in choice to God's initiating love in their life.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Well, we had a question that someone sent in in the context of election.
1: Yeah, Since we're on the subject
0: matter, I'm going to read this. This is from Matt. It's a two-part question. Um, I have always struggled with the concept of election and if I was chosen by God or not and what it means to be chosen. After spending some time researching, which is awesome, love your heart, man. That you're spending some time like working through this and, and reading the Bible and other resources. After spending some time researching, I wonder: Are there some people that God will never choose? Mm. That's part one. We can stop yep. there if we want to stop there. Okay. We want. You want, me to, read, you want me to read the second one or just stop? Uh, there? No, we can stop yeah. there.
1: Um, number one just a Spurgeon story had a a lady came up to Spurgeon one day and asked the same question and she feared and wondered if she was a part of God's elect. And then Spurgeon in a Spurgeon way looked at her and said, my, my dear madam, if you even care about that question, I would probably say that you are Hmm. meaning if this is something that you desire and you want, um, I would say that God's doing something in your heart and in your mind. Now, this this is a part of a larger conversation because it talks because now we have to talk about like free will and do we choose do we not choose what's what's this like and first I would say that election is not intention with God's love it's an extension of God's love mm. and what I mean by that is we see in Genesis chapter 3 that sin is has marred and broken everything. Yeah. And Psalm 51.5 says that we are born in iniquity and sin. Yeah. Ephesians 2 says we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Colossians 1 says that we are hostile, following the principalities of the air. Yeah. I mean, that's like our condition before Christ. Yeah. And what we see in the scriptures is that God, in John chapter 3, Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes. And God does something in someone's heart and mind awakens them to the power of the gospel and I believe then in response to what God has done they they choose the gospel. Yeah. Now people would say so so do we have free will or do we not? <laughs> and I'm it's going to sound like I give a lot of non-answers but the answer is yes and no. And what I mean by that is when people say free will, by the way, this goes back, if you want to do some research, you can look up Luther and Erasmus. Erasmus was a guy that wrote a book during the Protestant Reformation called The Freedom of the Will. Luther responded with a book called The Bondage of the Will. And so this can give you some backstory on that. But... What we see, number one, is that our will is not totally free. Mm. And I said this Sunday, the only people that have problems with this are Western Americans. (laughs) Because we believe in the vote. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, how's that going? But anyway, (laughs) you know, um, we're not complete. Our will is not completely free. Like, will that your wife would love you more. Mm. Will yourself to be eight feet tall. Mm. Will yourself to lose 20 pounds. Okay. So our will is not totally free, all right? So let's shrink that down to a realistic thing. Secondly, has sin affected our ability to choose? I would think that the Bible says yes and no to that. Yes, in the sense that apart from the saving work and the power of the Holy Spirit of God opening up someone's heart and mind... I don't believe someone is able to believe in the gospel. It's something that God does in them. But we do have the free will to reject the gospel. We see that all through the scriptures. Jesus stands over Jerusalem and says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, would that I gather you like a chick gathers her hens, or or a hen gathers her chicks, and he weeps over them because they've rejected. And so, yes, we can reject the gospel. God is not robotically programming yeah. us to do all of this.
0: There's a lot of mystery in that too, especially yes. if you look at the character of God in the Old Testament. I mean, right now our church is reading through the Bible uh, in a year. We did it last year and we're doing it again. And we're in Joshua and before then is Deuteronomy and uh, and Numbers. And time after time, the Lord says that, I mean, you see with Pharaoh, he hardens his heart sure. so that he would reject and, yep. and not believe and be prideful. And so so we see a choice, but we also don't see a choice. Yep. There's a mystery there.
1: Which gets us to the really the heart of election then to talk about that. God says about two Old Testament characters, Jacob I've loved and Esau yeah. I have hated. And man, that's tough. Paul, yeah. it's such a big deal that Paul expands on it later in Romans chapter 9. Yeah. And so to get back to Matt's th- you know, first first I want to encourage him about this idea, am I God's chosen? And Matt, I would just say from the heart of your question and wanting to know the heart of God more, just want to reassure you in that. Secondly, to answer it directly, the Bible has language for the people that God chooses, which is the elect. Mm. We see this used over and over again in the New Testament. Secondly, the Bible has no language for the people that God quote unquote doesn't choose. Meaning I don't have words for that. So right. I can't say the term non-elect. Yeah. Because that's not a biblical term. Do not
0: go beyond what is written. Yes, which yeah. leads
1: me to First Corinthians chapter four, yeah. verse six. Yeah. When the apostle Paul says, you know, that you may learn by us and not go beyond what is written in the yeah. scriptures. And so my fear is, is that in some theological frameworks of Calvinism and Arminianism, I believe they go beyond the tension and mystery that we see in the scripture. Yeah. And so there is no biblical category. There are those who are in Christ and then those who are lost. Yeah. And the reality is, is that of course there are people that haven't experienced the love of God, like, you know. My neighbor or something like that. I mean, there are people who don't love the Lord. And so in that sense, the Bible would say the ones that God has chosen, they are called the elect, and then everything else we just sort of leave up to God. We don't go beyond that.
0: That's good. Well, the second part of his question, uh, sort of the inverse of that um, in terms of love, he says, I find it difficult to understand that if we are cherished and beloved in Christ, that language that's there in verse 12, that we all wouldn't be chosen by him. Is every, that we all being the emphasized word, is everyone cherished and beloved or just the chosen? Mm. That's
1: it. Yeah. So we need to go to the scriptures yeah. and talk about how the Bible uses sort of the term world. Yeah. So in John 3, 16, yep. for God so loved the world. Yeah. Is creation, the earth, the people, everything like that. But then um, there's different language for what Paul is saying here yeah. about the chosen and the elect. And so um, I love our kids side ministry. Love we've got forty plus kids, you know, that are back there. I'm I get to be their pastor. Yeah. Um, I shout out to our leaders and teachers and kids. Amen. Side. You guys are amen. slaying it. We amen. love you guys. Thank you. Um I love those kids yeah. back there. But let me tell you something. There's three back there that I really, really love. Yeah, man. And they have the last name Jordan. Yeah. And when, when we look at the father heart of God, yeah. um, I believe that there is a father heart of God that way. I mean, yeah. Jesus even speaks to the Pharisees and some people and calls people evil and this, that, and the other. And so I say all of that to say that, yes, God does love yeah. generally, yeah. And, but I also think that God loves specifically. Yeah. Now, here's where we can't go beyond. Yeah. Labels. I don't yeah. know who that is. Yeah. I don't know who it is and who it isn't. So, yeah. so here's where oftentimes this argument goes. Well, if God's already predetermined and chosen people, yeah. then why do we? Why don't we just close the doors of the church and do this, that, Matthew and the other? twenty-eight, go into all the earth. Yes. Yeah. B- because we've been commanded to. We yeah. don't know who the elect are. We don't know, and and there's so much mystery behind all of this as well. Yeah. That I'm not going to go into this, that, or the other. But what I do know is that. It says very clearly that God chooses, and um, I see that, and that's a great tension. And so I said Sunday, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are two parallel tracks that meet in the mind of God. Mm. And by the way, just because you can't figure this out and God can figure it out is what makes him God. Yeah. And what makes you not? Okay. <laughs> Amen. In that sense. Yeah. And so um, there is a general love. Yeah. And then there is a um, specific love to yeah. answer Matt's question directly. That's cool.
0: Uh, one of the reasons that Matt, thanks for that question. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really, really great to get to unpack that here. One of the reasons I love, um, I think it's Matt Papa or Matt Boswell, the song that we sing uh, frequently, it's called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Mm. Every verse of the song Starts with that. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Yes, Christ the Lord upon the tree. Come behold the wondrous mystery. He the He the perfect Son of Man. Um, I mean, to some degree, we've we've got to just settle and be okay with mystery. Yep, we've got to understand. That we can't understand everything. Yes. And we need to be able to rest in that. And that's part of our dependency upon God. Yes. And I love that. I love that. We Absolutely. If you want to sing that song, we sing it a lot. Come West Side and sing with and us. And just to go
1: back to that again, yeah, yeah. it's very clear to Matt to look in the Old Testament and see how much God loved Israel mm. compared to Babylon Yeah, in that sense. Yeah. And so very clearly God was doing something and saying something about the people of Israel yeah. versus the people of Babylon. And so... I would say, in Christ, not in Christ. So the Old Testament is the New Testament contained, and the New Testament is the Old Testament explained. Love that. Oftentimes, the reason why we struggle, again, that's why I said, have you read the Bible all the way through? And are you a part of a local church? Is we pick up on this concept in like Romans 9. Yeah. And we're like, woohoo, let's do this predestination thing. Right. And the reality is, is, this is a part of the grand story yeah. in light of that. So yeah, that's yeah.
0: really good. And that's why their ears were sort of perked up when uh, Deuteronomy 7 and the same language of chosen, which is so cool because they knew their Bibles, they knew their Torah. Yeah, man. Um, which is super cool. So uh, identity language. The first one is chosen, election. Yes. The second one we have in verse 12 is uh, you said that we are changing, and that comes from holy. Yes, it comes from from holiness. So if if uh, who we are affects how we live, uh, one we see who we are in verse twelve, and we see ver- we we see we are chosen. So that's election, and then and then we also see we are changing. That's yes. from verse twelve. God's chosen ones, holy, Yeah. holiness,
1: hagios. Yeah,
0: yeah. Remember what we are and and what we're supposed to do here. I mean, you you use the word like. Anytime we see the that we're called like holy or called saints, I love yeah. that you like make everybody gasp. Yeah, <laughs> because that, sure that that's like a title that is that should be foreign to us. Yes. it should not belong to us. But by God's grace, we are called that. Yeah, um, for those who are believers. And and you said this is the application. You said holiness isn't just about leaving sin behind; it's about loving Jesus more. Yes, and man, this hit me hard. It. it It's so easy to make our faith about what we're against uh, and slaying our sin and what we shouldn't do and training our kids of that's bad, that's bad. Don't listen to this. Don't go here. Don't talk to these people. And we're completely oblivious to what it is that we're for. Is there a line? Like like what's the distinction between valuing holiness— but not
1: idolizing it. Sure.
0: But also loving Christ more and more.
1: Yep. Like, is the, where is that? Yeah. So, um, one church father said the way that Jesus was crucified between two thieves, so the church is crucified between two great errors, which is legalism and license. Mm. And so, to value leaving sin behind over loving Jesus more is legalism. And this would be the Pharisees. This is who Jesus is speaking to, literally saying to them, You search the scriptures to find life and you don't know that they point to me. Mm. I mean, that's to the conservative group. That's to the Bible study group. I mean, they've got basically
0: saying, Have you not read? Which he says a lot. Have you not read your Bible? I mean, these are the guys
1: with the big, thick ESV study Bibles. They've been to the Passion Conference. They've got the Jesus cult. I mean, it's, I mean, everything, man. Yeah. And going, You've missed the entire point. Yeah. And so. It's this idea of love. It's, yeah. it's love. It, you know, because I have these relationships, you know, my wife, because I love her, I don't do other things, you yeah. know, and this, that, and the other. Now, so there's legalism, and then there's license, which says— What's well, God's grace? You know, if God's in the business of forgiving, then great. I'm in the business of sinning. And, Paul,
0: and Paul's like, by no means. By no means yeah, don't, don't do, do that.
1: that. And so, but one word is, you know, one thing I think is important to say in this day and age, be holiness and living and having a standard for your life yeah. is not automatically legalism. Yeah. And I think our generation needs to hear that because Mm, it's like we can watch anything. We can drink anything. We can do anything. We're free in Christ. And that's awesome. That's great. We have freedoms. Woohoo. That's fun. Yeah. But as soon as somebody's like, oh, man, you know, me and my family don't watch that or no, you know, we didn't do that or we didn't go there. Yeah. A group of people are really quick to go, what are you, holier than thou? And it's like, well, well, no, because the gospel's had an effect on my life. And so there's some things that I'm putting off and I'm putting to death, and that's me and my family. Legalism is also binding your conscience to other people. So maybe somebody listening to this can have a glass of wine with a meal, and then somebody else can't. Well, it's wrong for the person who can't to go, no Christians can have a glass of wine with a right. meal. That's binding your conscience on everybody else. Yeah. And so the line is that legalism and license, and I think what's in the middle is love. Yeah, man. Is what is growing your love for Jesus? Yeah. Do you love Jesus more? Yeah. What's God doing in your heart and mind? What's What's God doing in your heart this year that's different from what he did last year. That That's good. The relationship's growing and nurturing.
0: That's good, man. Guardrails exist on a road to keep you from driving off the edge. Yep. Love's like the line, the center line painted to keep you from rolling across the center. Amen. It's really, really good. Uh, so we see that and we are changing and uh, you're holy. And then the third descriptor he uses here is beloved. Yeah. We are cherished. Yep. Beloved. And that sort of blends into the the way this seems to organically be going. And you said the application was this the gospel says you're beloved, religion says you're belittled. Yep. Um, and I heard this somewhere. It's a God. God doesn't save us because we're good. He saves us because He's good. Mm-hmm. God doesn't save us because of of what we do or what we don't do. He saves us because of what He's done yes. and because of who He is. So with that, knowing that God loves us, how does knowing that God saved us out of His love for us? I mean, we see and we see it in how He chooses us, and we see it how He saves us. How does knowing God saved us out of His love for us? How does that translate to say the way that that we treat one another sure, or the way that we live our lives, which is sort of the next point that we can kind of bleed into is how we live.
1: Yeah. I think a lie that Christians believe a lot of times is that God saved me, but he's not really proud of me. Mm. Like God saved me, but he's pretty disappointed in me. And the reality Mm. is, is like, let's just logically think this through. Like all of your sins were future sins when Jesus died on the cross Mm. and God chose you in spite of you, not because of you. Yeah. And he chose you knowing that after he chose you, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Yeah. Take my heart and seal it for thy courts above. He chose you knowing that you would still wonder. Yeah. And so this idea that God is so disappointed in me and this guilt. Listen, guilt is powerful for yeah. a short amount of time. And it's like shackles, man. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's not going to free you and what grace comes in and does. And that's why I said the gospel says that you are beloved. The word means that God's love has been set upon you. Yeah. That literally God's proud, just like a father is proud of his children. He's yeah. cheering for you. God wants you to be more like Christ. I mean, it's we've got to get this like We're so afraid to get to the line or do something like that. How much does God love us that he sent his son to die for us? That God is not going to do something like that and then be disappointed with you. You know what I mean? And so I think it's a horrible lie that Christians believe, and it is good news to know that you're cherished. Yeah. That God not only saved you, but he likes you. Yeah. Yeah. And he likes you, man.
0: Can we we talk about like the way that we perceive love? Because I think, I think generationally, especially with our generation and the generations after us, we view things like, like discipline as disappointment. Sure. As discipline, as, as not loving. Um, I mean, the scriptures are clear. Like God disciplines those he, whom He loves. Like, right. He, he, and those, well,
1: confrontation is unloving? Yeah. yeah sure.
0: Like conflict. And, and can we? And let's let's move into that. Like like because this does affect how we live, and we see it in the totality of the text. We see these verbs. We see we see it here right after the the identity markers, holy and beloved. Put these things on: compassionate hearts, yeah. kindness, humility, meekness patience and bear with one another and also forgive each other yeah those are all verbs those are all actions and things that we can participate in and do and man like some of these words (laughs) when i when i read these words sometimes i just think christians can be some of the meanest people that you'll ever meet hundred percent and if you're listening to this and you've been burned by a christian or by a church i'm sorry yeah um i'm so sorry and uh I understand that that many of us have played a part in that, uh, and we apologize for that and know that we're not perfect as well. And I know there are plenty of times where the descriptors in this list are minimally present in my life or even totally absent from yep. me in a moment of frustration or an emotionally charged situation or whatever. So my question about love that influences how we live, these verbs, what is a practical way that we can pay attention to these verbs and actions especially in the midst of conflict or pain or disagreements or et cetera.
1: Yeah. I think it goes back to if, if we're beloved and cherished and God not only has saved me and loves me, but likes me yeah. and delights in me, then that means that I don't have to fight for my identity in every conversation.
0: Mm. What do you mean by that?
1: What I mean by that is let's say that there is some sin in my life and somebody confronts me on that sin, my identity is not at stake, even though I might feel that way. And yeah. that might be my knee-jerk reaction is to go, well, what about you? And this, that, and the other. Yeah. The reality is, is the most loving thing is, is that if there's something in my life that's hurting me and somebody comes to me and says, hey, just in our conversation, you know, you you said this and man it that was really painful for me and it yeah. kind of felt like that you didn't care and you know this has kind of affected me if we're living this community of chosen cherished and beloved people um, then that's not at stake I'm free yeah. it's 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 not about me Tim Keller calls <laughs> it the freedom of self forgetfulness hmm. that 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 it's not about me anymore that yeah. every conversation everything that I do you know it's like when you see little kids and, you know, two of them on Christmas day or something are showing off their toys and one's interrupting the other. And it's like, well, look at mine and I got this one. And right. yeah, well, look at this one and, and look at what I can do. And what they're doing is like, Hey, look at me, mm-hmm. look at me and look at what I have and look at what I have to offer. And the reality is, is adults are no different, man. Right? <laughs> adults yeah. are no different. But if I can rest, yeah. if I can rest in that love of God, Yeah. then A, I don't have to fight for my identity. Yeah. Two, I'm also free to love others. Yeah, man. Because then that means that they, they don't owe me anything. Yeah. So, this, you know, the motivation is always like when he says forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Yeah. So, how in the world, you know, the parable of the unforgiving servant comes to mind of what Jesus, yeah. how in the world can we hold a grudge for people or we can say we're waiting on an apology and I mean, guys, the rebuttal argument is is that I'm thankful that God didn't wait for your apology yeah. to send Christ. Yeah, you know, so we're not only free in our identity, but we're free then to really love others.
0: Yeah, and I think that's um, I think that's one of the main reasons it's so important to have an introspective mindset when it comes to our faith and how God saved us from from what damned us in the beginning, our yeah. own sin, and when we have that perspective. It really helps us engage in our community in a loving way with these verbs. Use use this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Fire quote. Yeah. I'm going to put this on my wall in my in my house or on a bumper right. sticker or something. If one has a complaint, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where it is? Here? There we go. The person who loves their dream of community, their dream of community, yep. will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them. We'll create a community. And I, and I love this quote. It's like the notion that we have an expectation, like a dream of what we think our community and our friendship should look like and all of that. Absolutely. And when it's not met, we like eviscerate those who don't yes. meet those expectations. So I have two things to bounce off of that. Why is forgiveness important within the context of the local church? Because again, Paul's writing to a rural church in Colossae and he's writing to the believers in this church. Why is forgiveness important in the context of, of a local church in the yeah. community.
1: So forgiveness is the fuel that keeps relationships moving forward. Okay. Mm. So if you were to think about every time that you were sinned against and that you were hurt, if you strapped, you know, five pounds or shackled five pounds to you. Yeah. And you keep holding on to all of those. At some point, you're literally going to be unable to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And what forgiveness does is it moves you from you saying to that person that hurt you, you owe me. Yeah. And you move from you owe me to you owe me nothing. Yeah. And as C.S. Lewis says, you know, when you forgive someone and free them from the hurt that they've done to you, what you realize is that you end up freeing yourself.
0: Mm, That's good.
1: And I think it's important to note that Bonhoeffer wrote this in a concentration camp. Yeah. And so, you know, he's...
0: And he he didn't make it out.
1: Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Right? Prosperity preachers, did he have enough faith there? Goodness (laughs) gracious. Like I mean, so what he's doing and saying is is that this is what it's really made of. Yeah. And and listen, we always forget the context. Paul's writing to Christians. Yeah. He's writing to a church. Yeah. Saying, if you have a complaint, so that lets me know that people had complaints. Yeah, man. Paul's telling this church to forgive each other. Yeah. Then that tells me that they've hurt each other. Yeah. Which then bridge the application from then to now, meaning this. You're probably going to get hurt in church. Yeah, yeah, there's probably going to be complaints in church. Yeah, but here's what we don't do: we don't bail.
0: Yeah, man, we don't Forgiveness bail. Forgiveness is initiated. Yes, and man. That's the second point. Like a practical way. Like I love one of the things that you said. Very practical illustration. Like, well, I drove by TOS and I saw my group there, and they didn't invite me. Like, right? Like, I'm leaving. And, yeah, and that, and that can be hurtful. And yeah, like obviously that that could that could be painful. Sure, yeah, and and but. Forgiveness, forgiveness offers you an opportunity to take the initiative. Yes. Um, and so, how could somebody, in a practical sense, like initiate and take that first step? Yeah. Maybe not even to just forgive, but just to get involved in a community.
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say two things. Number one, if you've been sinned against, we have Matthew eighteen yeah. very clear as to how to deal with that. And yeah. so, I mean, if there's been somebody who's lied, slandered, done something like that, um, we we have very clear guidelines for that, and it's very interesting it's all very relational. Yeah. Jesus is like, go to them and go to them. Right. And I've seen in my own life, 99% of the time, if someone has come to me because of what I've done, or if I go to someone after the first step, it's literally solved. Yeah. Very rarely does it go beyond those other steps. Yeah. And so I think there's so much in our life that could be just resolved with the initiation of, hey, listen, you may not have known that you've done this, or you may have known that you had done this. Yeah, this hurt me in this sense, and I just, I just need you to know this. Yeah, that, that's not unloving. Now it's difficult. It's very hard. It's going to bring things up to the surface for you. Yeah. There's a lot of emotional health, a lot of emotional unhealth that's involved in that. So number one, there's Matthew 18. Yeah. Number two, I think it's just getting involved in a community. Yeah. I think it's living life. Yeah, man. I think
0: it's... you can't forgive someone you're not around.
1: Right. Like, yeah. And so you know people. <laughs> (laughs) People, you know, really quickly who are like online churches, the future, how do I obey Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 17 online? All
0: the yous that are in there, by the way, in context are y'alls. They're all you. They're, They're pluralized.
1: How do I bear with one another, forgive one another, and love one another and serve one another? Yeah. Like... I, you, you've you got to be in community. Yeah. You can't obey 99.9% of the commands in the New Testament apart from a local congregation and a yeah. church. And so and so you've got to be a part of a local expression and yeah. a local body.
0: Yeah. There are some ways that you can get involved at Westside. Um, we have Westside Women. On, yep. If you're a lady listening to this, 16 and up, we got Westside Women on Monday nights at 6.30. And then Westside Men on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Yep. If you're a man listening to this, 16 and up. And those are just a few places. I mean, you can join us on on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or you can listen to us here. You can send us emails at info at westsidepb.org. There are plenty of ways for you to connect and and to initiate your first step into being involved in a community. And I promise you this, if you get involved, yes, you may, you will get hurt. But it's also one of the most rewarding things that you can do with your life is to 100%. be involved in a, in the community of God's people and be on journeys, being honest with one another and being open and praying for one another and caring for one another and loving one another.
1: We say this all the time. The hardest thing that you will ever do in your life is give yourself yeah. to a local church yeah, the man. same way that you give yourself to one spouse, to one person. Yeah. And in that same way, the most rewarding thing that you could ever do with your life is give yeah. yourself to a local church. That's good,
0: that's good, man. Well, I want to. I got one, one or two final questions. Yep. We, we're moving into into these last little bits here. Um, and we see moving on in verses fifteen. Um, or I'm sorry, in verse fourteen. Sort of the culmination of all of this, yep. and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And then verse fifteen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you're called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Before I get into verses 16 and 17, why is love, above all things, the most important to put on? Like, how, How does love bind all of these things together, like forgiveness and relationships and kindness and humility and our identity How how does love bind all of that together?
1: Yeah, I would say it's almost like a house. I mean, you could have a house that has exposed studs, drywall, you know, and you could say this is a house. It's even got central heating and air. Yeah, but it sure doesn't feel like a house. It feels rigid, feels kind of cold. Right. Um, But then, man, when you get some, you know, decorations in there, you know, you know, you get a woman's touch, or you paint, you do this, that, and the other. You know, it becomes a home. Yeah. I think the same way that everything that precedes verse 14 are essentials, our core things, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, all yeah. of that. But it's still rigid without love. Yeah. Love is the is the thing that turns this into a lasting relationship. Yeah. And um I think that's why Paul says above all, yeah. put this on. And so again, you almost have to do this in reverse. You can't do these things and this complaint and this, that, and the other unless you have love in your heart. Yeah. If you don't have love in your heart, it's gonna to turn to bitterness, it's gonna to turn to confrontation, yeah. a negative sense of confrontation and all of those things. And so one of the questions that we ask ourselves a lot and that I say a lot in sermons is this, what does love require of me? Hmm. What does love require in me in this? For, for some people, it might be love requires me to have a hard conversation. Yeah. Or for some people, it might be love requires of me to make this phone call and just tell this person that i love them yeah man i think if if you could live your day under the guiding question yeah of what does love require of me yeah i think every day would be a good yeah. day
0: yeah and sometimes love requires you to eat crow right sometimes love requires yep. you to say i'm sorry yep. i hurt you um but it, yeah just like you said uh, one of the most difficult things but also one of the most rewarding and the, these last couple of verses, man, I love the these. The corporate expression. Yeah, man. I love these because yep. they're sort of the guide by which we structure, and I structure the gatherings on a Sunday, the yep. way that we're teaching our worship leaders to structure things and all that. Um, so to, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, to teach and admonish one another in wisdom, to sing together from the Bible, and then songs that are from lyrics from the Bible, and then, and then with all of it, be thankful. And... I love this because it's language that displays a community involvement. Yep. It's not like stay at home and hum your favorite tune. It's it's come together and do these things together. We're to, like, listen, to teach and to admonish one another, to sing the scriptures together and to do it thankfully. And a lot of this is like serving language. Yep. Like it's giving of your time and it's giving of yourself to come together and do something corporately as a body. And why is it important that we're actively serving like and in participating in these ways together? Yeah. Like, yeah, go ahead. I'm it's sorry.
1: Su- no, it's super interesting. You know, let the word of Christ dwell in your richie teaching and admonishing one another. Yeah. Singing psalms to one another. Yeah. It's, it's so not about the individual yeah. in this. It's so about the corporate expression. Yeah. And like our philosophy, you know, to sing the word, see the word, preach the word, pray yeah. the word. All of that is guided by the Word of Christ, and we've yeah. said that the Word of God governs our worship to God. Yeah. And what's so important from a serving aspect is it changes. So with Colossians 3.16, you can walk into a church gathering or be a part of a local congregation, and the consumer says, what can they do for me? Yeah. And the contributor and family yes. member says, what can I do for them? Yeah, man. That's Absolutely. the game changer. That, and
0: that's one of the reasons I love the community language. And like just in the last couple of years, um, through some resources that you've directed me at and just reading God's word, I've really been open to the community aspect of worship and this idea that, and when I say worship, I don't just like, that's a that's a Participation, well. not
1: observation. Yeah. like worship yeah. isn't
0: just the time where we're singing. The whole gathering is worship. Like the time where we are, yes. are, are studying God's word and hearing it proclaimed, we're reading the God's word aloud together. And we're praying back and forth with one another. Yes. It's one of the reasons that we don't shut the lights off when we sing together. Right. Like I want the lights on because I want to see, I, I want to see a lady that I know who's struggling and battling with cancer lift her hands and yep. sing out loud. It's well with my soul. Come on, that builds my faith, yes. man. And it's a community. And, and to, to
1: hear other people yes, singing, I have yeah. a. And this isn't in the Bible, so I'm, Jason <laughs> might get a little legalistic here. We have a dB limit,
0: but I think yeah. it's
1: super important that if you can't hear other people singing, yeah. I just think it's it's very much so. Inferred here yeah. that to hear other people singing is what you just said. Yeah. I know their testimony. I'm living life with them. Yeah. That gathering becomes, you know, this person has a prodigal child, yeah. and we're singing in Christ alone. And I'm yeah. like, man, I know what they're going through. We're in community group together, yeah. and here, like, I just think there's something there about that, man. Yeah, you absolutely,
0: know? absolutely. Well, listen, if if you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, like I'm a Sunday attender and I attend regularly. Um, but I want to know some ways that, like, I can get involved in this community. Yeah. I want to know some ways that I can participate. Here's something simple: S- sing a little louder on Sunday morning,
1: <laughs> right? When, sing a, sing go, a little man. louder uh, when, when we. Do read... you know when I know that a man has been changed? Come on, man! When I see him sing. Come on, man! I mean, come on, sing we... a
0: little louder. Read those verses a little louder. Declare the good church. Yeah, bring your Bible, underline, and highlight that thing. Let's go, man. Maybe maybe volunteer to help and serve in nursery uh, or kid side. Now you're really saved. Yeah. (laughs) Any of those. Amen. Those (laughs) those (laughs) that's God's elect. Amen. Amen. Well, that's that's good. I uh I don't have much uh in ways of of closing us out here today. Um I I do want to uh I do want to I do want to ask you if you have any final closing thoughts and then I'm going to thumb to this verse that I was going to close us out in. You got any final thoughts for us on, on what's going on here? Yeah, today, man, Jason? this is
1: a uh, good stuff. We've always strived to be a biblical church. Yep. And so, um, I thought I never knew what that meant until like years into it. And yep. being a biblical church means you get shot from both sides actually is what <laughs> that means. So there's people, I thought li-
0: it was all sunshine and rain. Yeah.
1: So people listening to this on one side are like, that's wrong about election or this or that or the other. Um, at the end of the day, I think there's a couple resources. There's two that I would highly recommend after you have already read through the scriptures. You already have, you know, this theological framework. You're 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 in a local community where you can wrestle these things out. Um, the first one is "Chosen But Free" by Norman Geisler, and this is pro- I mean one of the best things. It's it's called a balanced view of divine election. I really really enjoy it. He refutes some things, and it is filled with a ton of Bible. Yeah. The second one is Hand in Hand, God's Sovereignty and Our Responsibility by Randy Alcorn. Fantastic. Again, it's a very balanced view. It's going to show you both sides and give you a little bit of backstory. And then the last one's J.I. Packer's God's Sovereignty and Evangelism. I think those are good resources. We can put those uh, in the show notes for you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, man... I'm not interested in analogies. And well, if a man leaves a train station at 1127 <laughs> and then arrives, like we need to talk about Bible. Yeah, We need to have Bible verses. We need to have our Bibles open to learn as one church says. But the second thing is this, we need to have our hearts open to love. Yeah. At the end of this, That's good. Put on love, which binds everything together. So that's it, man.
0: That's good. That's good. I was looking for a specific Psalm that I had in my brain, but I'm just going to read from Psalm 103. This is what I'm going to do to close this out today, and then we'll give you a little information of where you can get in touch with us. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, and who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's wings. Yeah. That's uh, that's good news for us to Amen. know that God is the one who does the work in us, and we can join in the work that He's doing in and through us in community together. So, if you have any questions about who we are, you can go to westsidepb.org. If you want to worship with us uh, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, on the corner of Barron Road and Shannon Drive, you can send us any questions that you have. Matt, thanks again for your question, man. On election. That was yes. great. You can send any questions to info at westsidepb.org, and we live stream our services at 11 a.m. on Facebook. And also now, we are offering child care at both our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services. So if you got those babies, you can bring them. You can drop them back there. They'll learn a little bit about Jesus Amen. and what we're learning. Uh, or if you want to bounce them on your knee in the chapel, they are more than welcome. If the babies are crying, the church ain't dying. Yes. We're okay with that. Um, anything else that I'm missing? I think that's it. You got it, buddy. All right. All those resources that you had, we'll throw in the show notes for you. Guys, and you can research those to your liking. And as always, may everything that we do and that we say be in thankfulness and to the Lord. What am I doing with this? Oh, that's right. May everything that we do and say be in the name of the Lord Jesus. And let's be thankful as
1: we do it, guys. Amen.
0: We love you. Blessings.